You are listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. This series is called Miracles, where we take a behind-the-scenes look at the miracles of Jesus and how they can apply to our everyday life. So good to see everybody this morning. Um, anybody, anybody, maybe, maybe when you played sports or before you played band or, or if you were in chess club or, or whatever, you had, you had superstitions that you did before each and every game or each and every performance or each and every match if you're in chess club you know the same thing for 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 me i played i played soccer all through high school and all through college in high school i had the same undershirt that i wore every single game and yes i did wash it it wasn't one of those deals you know uh i wore every single game it was it was a gray ruse shirt and it was comfy and it had numbers and number 13 on the back but but because i washed it the 13 disappeared right it just became holes and by time my last game my senior year i was basically just wearing a, a, a shop rag, you know, it was just kind of, I just kind of figured out how to put it on, and it was just kind of there, uh, it was super steady, it, it brought me luck during the, during the game, during the uh, senior year, now, 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 I, I still have superstitions, I mean, every single Sunday, Every single Sunday, I eat the same exact thing. Now, it's not like Wade Boggs chicken before every baseball game, but every single Sunday, I have eggs, scrambled eggs, and rice checks. I just found out that that fills me up, but it also it also doesn't fill me up so much so that when I get here and get in my routine and kind of get amped up, I don't start getting lightheaded and dizzy and, and, and et cetera. Have superstitions. Have superstitions. Now, why do we have superstitions? Why do we do superstitions? Last week, last week we, we took a look at the official son or the official and the official son. And, and, and one of the phrases that we had last week that we used was that the intersection of belief and desire is action. At the intersection of belief and desire is action. As I thought about that more and, and, and Phil posted about that on, on Facebook and, and then the, 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 the Monday morning reading that we do uh, took us into, into the sermon, uh, the, the passage from last week and then the, this passage from this week and thinking about that more. Thinking about, hey, you know what? You can put that into an equation. You can put that into an equation that belief plus desire equals action. That the sum of belief and desire is our action. And so if you believe something and you desire something, you're going to put action to it. And if you say you believe and desire it, but you don't act on it, uh, guess what? You don't really believe and desire it. But what superstition is, is that it's a shortcut to the action. It's a shortcut to the action. And so either we don't want to go through the work, we don't have enough belief and desire that we want to go through the work, and so we try and shortcut the action or we do the work, but just in case, just in case, we do this extra thing, this other thing, in order to shortcut the action of belief plus desire. But you know where superstitions will leave us? It'll leave us in lacking hope. It'll leave us in, 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 in lacking hope. We're three weeks into a series called Miracles, and what we're doing is we're looking at the seven miracles of Jesus. This is a six-week series. We're going to combine uh, two miracles. Next week, we'll combine two miracles, and, and we're taking a look at the miracles of Jesus that John wrote out. Now, John was a guy who followed Jesus. He followed Jesus for two and a half, three years, and he was an eyewitness account to every one of Jesus' miracles. And he wrote these down that we find out late in his book, late in his book about Jesus, that he wrote these down so that people would believe 
or grow their belief in Jesus. And maybe you're sitting here this morning going, you know what, Jesus is an interesting cat, he's a cool dude, and he said some interesting things, and, 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 and maybe there's some things that we should follow, but this miracle stuff, that's a stretch for me. It's a stretch. Look, that's okay. If that's where you're at, that's okay for a few reasons. One, like I just said, John was an eyewitness to these things. And he wrote them down to grow your belief. No matter where you are, whether you've been a believer in Jesus for years or whether you come in here going, I don't know about this miracle thing, John wrote these down so that wherever you are, you can grow your belief in Jesus. But also, like I just said, just consider, this is a guy who wrote these things down who walked with Jesus for two and a half to three years. And he wrote them down in between that Jesus died and resurrected and the time that John died within a generation of Jesus. He wrote these down and nobody came back and said, you're wrong about this. This is a myth. Now, people chose to not believe it, but they didn't come back and say, this is wrong. But if you're like me, you're saying, you know what? Jesus did the same exact miracle since preschool, Sunday school. You know what? I can see the flannel board, Jesus, and, blah, and Jesus walks over here, and here's the guy laying down. And you know what? He does the same miracles. No miracle ever changes. They all end the same. The boat still stinks, Right? The ending is always the same. And we lose wonder. And we lose amazement with the miracles. And we forget that there's a miracle behind the miracle. There's a story behind the story. There's something that Jesus is getting at that's greater than a miracle. Because if he was just doing the miracle for the miracle, that would just be a magic trick. And that would just be for people to be interested. And wow, woohoo! But there's a miracle behind the miracle. And that's what we're utilizing this series for, is to find the miracle behind the miracle of why Jesus was doing these miracles. And we're taking a look at a guy, a guy in, in, in John chapter 5, a guy who's beside a pool. And apparently, from eyewitness accounts, his name was Larry. <laughs> Text didn't say that, but eyewitness, right? Eyewitness. And this guy, he was superstitious. But we also see another group of guys who were superstitious. We have two different types of superstition in this story. And both superstitions, both types of superstitions left people lacking hope. John chapter 5, you can follow along in a hardbound Bible. Or you, can, you can open up your smartphone. Well, you don't open up a smartphone because if you open up a phone, it's not smart. It's called Flip. And um, welcome to the 2000s. But um, did, I, did I say that out loud? Anybody have a flip phone? Yes. Slider. Slider, okay. Well, welcome. Welcome, it's 2014. Um, anybody have a brick? Remember the brick? Remember the brick? Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, 
you can turn on your smartphone, turn on your tablet, download the, the Bible app. Uh, here to serve is our passcode for our Wi-Fi. Uh, I encourage you to download the Bible app. Uh, uh, we put our event uh, in there in the event section. You can find the event and, and uh, just click on the events. that will use your uh, tracking and, uh, and it'll, it'll show Crosspoint. And then, and then afterwards we can track you. For the rest of you, no, just joking, just joking. We're not the NSA. Uh, anyway, did I just say that out loud? Um, and we podcast this. But Phil, can you edit? Anyway, anyway, anyway. Uh, uh, and, and you can follow along. You can keep notes. You can write down notes uh, or type notes into the Bible app and send those to you via email or to your Evernote. Or, or I encourage you to take notes, whether it's on paper or whether it's in, a, in, a, in an app or, or whatnot, because you, we, we, we get more. We, it soaks in more. Uh, but also, you can, you can tweet and you can Facebook directly from the app. And we encourage you to do that. Because evangelism isn't learning a set of things and memorizing those and regurgitating that to somebody else. Evangelism, according to Jesus, when he told somebody this, evangelism is just telling what God is doing in your life. And so we can do digital evangelism without having to confront anybody and just say, this is what God is doing, this is what God is showing me, this is what God is teaching me and doing in me. And I encourage you to do that. Check in, post about what God is, uh, is saying to you and how he is changing you. We'll also throw the scriptures up on the screen for you to follow along with. John chapter 5, afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Afterward, after what? After last week, after, after what we looked at last week, after the official son and, and, and healing the official son, Jesus went to Jerusalem for one of the holy days. We don't know exactly which one, but what we do know is there's a bunch of people converging from the Mediterranean rim, converging onto Jerusalem because people came for these holy days. Jews from all over uh, the known world came back to Jerusalem to worship God for these holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethsaida with five covered porches. Why does John include that? Why does John include those details? Because he wants people to know this is real. You can go to this place. You can talk to people who were there. I'm not doing this in some myth. I'm not doing this in some story. This is real. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Paralyzed, lame, couldn't move for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he'd been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? <laughs> it's a funny question, right? Jesus walks up to a guy that's been unable to move for 38 years. Would you like to get better? What do you think? You know, imagine going to your doctor and you, walk, you go in, you, 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 you check in, you sit, you wait, you, you go into another room, you sit and you wait. <clears throat> and you wait. And then they come in and they ask you, would you like to get well? Hey, $30 worth of copay says I would. <laughs> Jesus, what are you asking this question for? Would you like to get well? The guy says, I can't, sir, the sick man says, for I don't want to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. He is spiritually superstitious. Spiritually superstitious says that there's some, there's some myth out there. There's some karma out there. There's some God out there. There's some force. There's some universe. There's something out there that if I just do the right things, it'll look on me with favor. 
This guy was spiritually superstitious, but we're, when we are spiritually superstitious, it leaves us hopeless. I can't, I can't, I can't get into the pool. Everybody always beats me. There was, there was, a, there was a myth, or there was a thought that this pool, that, that when it bubbled up, there were angels around flapping their wings. And that caused the, the water to bubble up, and the first one that got in the pool would get a healing. And everybody else was just a rotten egg. Just on the, on the outside looking in, this guy was hopeless. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. I mean, the, again, if we've heard the story and heard the story and heard the story, we're like, yep, of course. Always ends the same. I mean, the dude was sick for 38 years. Like, that's crazy, right? That's crazy. People that have been sick for 38 years don't get better. They get worse. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath, so the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. I mean, we're talking about a yoga mat here. We're talking about a rug. Like, you're working. You're not supposed to work. And because... I am. I just read this next line as, as, as this guy being a little bit sarcastic. But he replied, uh, the man who uh, healed me, you know, like, I'm Larry. I've been sitting here for 38 years. You, I've begged you for 38 years. The guy that healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Like, which is a bigger deal, the fact that I'm working on the Sabbath or the fact that I just got healed. Who said such a thing to you? Who is teaching you how to sin? They demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared in the crowd. <laughs> Poof, gone. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Whoa, Jude, Jesus. <laughs> what happened to our lamb-carrying hippie? I love everybody. Jesus, like, dude, something worse may happen to you. We'll get back to that. We'll get back to that. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, my father is always working and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, thereby making him equal with God. Side note, this is free. You're not going to pay for this one. God or Jesus believed that he was God. This isn't something that Christians made up. This isn't something the early Christians made up. This is something that Jesus believed himself, and the reason why John wrote was to prove this. The equation changes when somebody really is God. But we have a guy who's su- that, is, that is spiritually superstitious. Then we have a whole group of guys that were religiously superstitious. You're like, hold on, time out. What's the difference between spiritual and religious superstition? There's a big difference. Spiritual superstition says that there's some karma or there's some force out there that if I just align with that, then something favorable will happen to me. Religious superstition says, I want God to like me, so therefore if I do A plus B plus C, God will like me. 
And just like the, the, the spiritually superstitious, they lack hope, they are hopeless, the, 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 the religiously superstitious, it's not that they lack hope, they have false hope. Let me say this morning, let me say this morning, I would rather you be hopeless than have false hope. What? Why would you rather make you have ho- be hopeless? Here's why. Because hopeless is already broken. All you're doing is waiting for a miracle. False hope means you have to be broken in order to get a miracle. False hope means, as we'll see in a couple of weeks, false hope means that you're just blind to your condition like these religious leaders were. So what does hopeless look like? Let's look at this guy. What does hopeless look like? See, this guy believed. This guy believed. And this guy desired. But he was hopeless. His desire was to get well. To be healed. Healed. His belief was was that the pool led to healing. But... He was left hopeless because the action required was greater than the sum of his belief and desire. The action required was greater than the desire and the belief that this guy had. He's like, I desire a miracle. I desire to get well. And I believe this pool will do it. I believe that I can get well, but I have nobody. My friends, my family, they've all left me. I have nobody to help me into this pool. So the action required is greater than my belief and my desire to get healed and to get better. We're doing a, a total money makeover small group right now. And so we've been using illustrations from the financial world and our personal finances. For some of us, we desire to get, a, get out of financial danger. We believe that we can. However, the action required is greater than the, than the desire and the belief. I can't win the lottery. I don't have a rich Uncle George. Maybe you have an Uncle George, but he's not rich. I don't earn $100,000 a year, so I can't get out of my financial condition. The action required is greater than than my belief and my desire to get out of this. And what happens when we become hopeless? We become skeptical, right? We begin to poke holes in everybody else's hopeful story, and we tear them down, and we bring them down. But there's something about this guy. There's something about this guy that, that, that led Jesus to pick him out. And we'll get back to that in a moment. But then we've got these other people. They're the religiously superstitious. Their desire is to get God to like them. If I just get God to like me, life will be good. Their belief is that if I follow the law, and if I get other people to follow the law, then God will like me. And we'll put in all these other rules around the law, hedging around the law to make sure we don't don't get get so far away from the law. We're going to hedge people in like, like carrying their map. That wasn't something God said. That was something they said to help God define what he said. Usually when we're trying to help God define what he said, it's going in bad for us. It's going in bad for us. 
And so these religious guys, these religious leaders, these religiously superstitious, see, they looked at this. They looked at their desire, I want God to like me. They looked at their belief and said, hey, if I just do the right things, then God will like me. And then they said, hey, look, my actions, that's, that's, less, than, that's less than my belief and my desire. The law, oh, I can do that. So they start out on this journey. But what they don't realize is that they have a false hope. And false hope means is that we have misguided actions that are less than the wrong belief and the wrong desire. They had misguided actions. But they believed that they could do those to get God to like them. But that was the wrong belief and they, that was the wrong desire. They didn't understand. And that left them at false hope. That left them blind. They didn't realize it. And there's Jesus. There's Jesus. Who enters in with his hope. Who enters into the story to bring hope to whomever is willing to listen. Hope to the hopeless. True hope to those who are relying on false hope. So how did he do this with this guy? Hey, you want to get well? I think Jesus was testing this guy's belief and desire. Like Jesus was seeing where this guy really stood. Do you really believe? Do you really desire? Did you catch it? Did you catch something really interesting about this story? About this guy? He didn't know who did the miracle. So to this guy, some stranger walks up to him. Hey, you want to get well? Probably to this guy, it meant that maybe this stranger was going to be nice to him and sit with him and wait for the, for the, for the deal to bubble. Well, I'd love to, but I can't get to the pool. Hint, hint, hint. Hey, tell you what. Get up and walk. Get up and walk. This guy didn't know this was Jesus. He didn't know it was Jesus. Some perfect stranger, some complete stranger wakes up, walks up to him and goes, hey, just get up and walk, bro. <laughs> Are you nuts? I've been here for 38 years. We don't see any of that, right? We just see him getting up and walking. This guy was nuts, right? That's what belief and desire will do to us. Make us a little bit nuts. Make us a little bit crazy. This is the hope that Jesus wants to give to people. In fact, we see in another story that it's a laughable hope. That people, he gave up so much, he gave away so much hope that, that it's a laughable hope. And that we as a church, that's, that's the type of hope we, we, we have a chance to give away, a laughable hope. But if you're like me, you get stuck at the laughable part. You don't want people to laugh at us. You don't want people to, to think we're crazy. But how crazy is that, right? There's a hope. There's a hope in Jesus. As another, as another pastor said, the church is the hope of the world because we have Jesus. 
And for me to not get over myself enough to give away this hope, even if people laugh at it, how shame on me, right? Shame on me. It's crazy that I don't want to be seen as crazy. But this guy believed. This guy desired. And the action required from Jesus was less than the belief and the desire. And Jesus wanted to give hope in two areas. And we receive hope when the action required is less than the desire and the belief. And these two areas, one fits inside the other. And the first one is salvation. This explains the weird little, and not really a dialogue because Jesus walked up to the dude and said this, the weird little deal that, that Jesus said to this guy. Where did Jesus find him? In the temple, right? Maybe this is something that Jesus knew about this guy because, he was, because Jesus was God, he, he, he knew into his heart or because Jesus as a man had, had, had a really, really, really good way of interpreting people and, and seeing uh, their intentions. Maybe that's why Jesus healed this guy in the face of all the other lame people sitting around there. I mean, those of you with kids, I mean, you, you, you've heard this one, right? It's not fair. Jesus, why this guy? It's not fair. Can you imagine? Could you imagine what happened with all the lame people? I mean, it would have sounded like the seagulls off of, off, of, off, of, off of Finding Nemo. Mine, 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 mine. <laughs> me now, me, 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 me. Jesus, I believe. he disappeared why this guy well this guy went to the temple he didn't know who healed him but he knew something god was a part of something here why do you go to the temple you go to the temple to worship you go to the temple to worship and this is where jesus found the guy worshiping god in the temple. He didn't know who healed him, but he knew something 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 was surrounding this and it had to be God. Jesus showed up and said this, now you are well. So stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Now, I know, I know, I know. If somebody walked up to you in the middle of Walmart and said this, gloves off, let's go. <laughs> right? <laughs> Bro, what gives you the, to do this? Say that to me. Here's what Jesus is saying. Look, that physical healing, let's not pretend. It's not going to last. You could become lame and paralyzed again. You may not. But one thing I do know, you're going to die. Are you ready? There's something deeper than physical there's something deeper than, than a physical miracle. You know what, though? Jesus started there. Jesus served people by doing physical things. That's why we go do block parties. Jesus serves people by doing physical things, but he never stops there. 
He takes them further. He takes them deeper in their belief. He progresses their belief. He grows their belief into, into something that is spiritual, something that touches the soul, something that touches something that nobody else can touch. And we talked about this with the, with the, officials, with the official last week. That you know what? Once this guy recognized that this was Jesus, once this guy recognized, once this guy had a, had a miracle happen, you know what? This guy could tell, whoever did the miracle for me, I'll do whatever he says. He just healed me. And Jesus is saying, so there's, a, there's, a, there's a desire in us that's deeper than, than a physical healing. There's a desire to stop sinning. We can push it down, we can ignore it, we can get rid of it, we can try our best, but there's a desire to stop the madness. Because we know, we know deep down within that, 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 that it's our sin that causes hopelessness in the end. It's our sin. Do you have the desire to stop sinning? And this guy, the, Jesus is telling this guy, look, look, look. You've got to have the desire to stop sinning. You've got, you've got to have the belief that I alone can cleanse you from your sin. I alone can forgive you of your sin. I alone can give you righteousness. I alone can give you holiness. I alone can, can, can give you what you need to get rid of that, to get rid of that hopelessness. I alone can give that to you. What's the action required? Hear and follow. Hear and follow that your desire to get out of sin is so great and your belief that Jesus is the only way out that you, you call out to him and go, I'm ready. I'm ready to hear and follow. I'm ready for you to do something. I'm ready for you to forgive me. I'm ready for you to cleanse me. I'm ready for you to give me righteousness. I'm ready for you to give me your holiness. I'm ready for you to give me your perfection. I'm ready for you to give me your purity. I'm ready because I can't do it on my own. And my desire is to get out of this sin. My desire is for you to get me out of this sin. My belief is that you alone can get me out. So therefore, I want to hear and follow. Look, spiritually superstitious says, I'm going to pray a prayer and then live however I want to, hoping that God will, God will look favorably on me. That's not the Bible. That's not the Bible. The Bible says, Jesus... I desire to get out of this. I'm tired of this. You alone can do this. Will you? That's what salvation looks like. That's what hear and follow and salvation looks like. This is, this is the first hope that Jesus wants to give, that you can get out of the sin, that you can get out of the hopelessness. That's what he wants to, want everybody to know. You don't have to be good. Jesus meets you right where you are. You don't have to clean up. Jesus meets you right where you are. You don't have to go to church. Jesus meets you right where you are. You don't have to look good because we live in suburbia America. Jesus meets you right where you are. He doesn't ask you to clean yourself up. He just asks you to desire to get out of sin and to believe that he's the way out. And go, I'm, I'm willing to hear and follow. I don't know what that means for down my life, but right now what I, I know that means is that I'm ready to hear and follow you. That's what salvation looks like. That's what salvation is. And it comes at the moment, at the moment that you say, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm ready for you to, to, 
to cleanse me. But wrapped around that, that hopeful salvation is something else. Something else is Jesus' hopeful mission. And this is what he's trying to tell the religious leaders. What you're doing, that ain't, that's not where, it at, where it's at. It's not there. There's a hopeful mission. Jesus told them that my father is always working and so am I. And we see that theme all throughout the book of John. We see that same theme coming out in Jesus and, and him speaking about this, this mission, this, this father working, and that's what I'm about. And, but he's doing this in order to teach his disciples that's what they're supposed to be about. And so we see Jesus desiring God being at work in the lives of people. We see Jesus believing that God is always at work. You're like, hold on, you just told me that Jesus is God. Yeah, but he's also fully man. And as man, as a fully man, he came down on, on, on earth in order to show us what it looks like to have this statement, my father's always working and so am I. Do we desire God to be at work in the lives of people around us? Do we desire for God to be at work in the lives of people in Republic? Do we desire for God to be at work in the lives of people around the world? Do we believe that He is always at work in people's life? See why one mission, one, one thing fits inside the other? See, as churches, as churches, we've had a tendency just to say it's all about salvation. And yes, salvation is vital, but there's this mission that wraps around the salvation. Why? Because God is always at work to save people. And what, how does he do that? He uses people who are saved to save people. And he's always at work saving people. He's always at work in the lives and hearts of people saving them. Why do we go do block parties? Because we desire for people to be saved, just like God does. Why over there? Because we believe that that, that, that area is underchurched. Underchurched. That's why we're focusing. We're, we're not focusing back into town. Why? We'd go back into where the churches are. That's awesome that they're there. Fantastic. So let's go to places where churches aren't. Are there people that go to church and believe in Jesus in those apartment complexes? Yes. But I believe there's a church and gospel presence that's less than anywhere else in the city over there. That's what I call a hard place. A place where the gospel and, and, and the church hasn't infiltrated as much. And God wants to send us out as well beyond Republic. The parts of the United States that are, that are under-churched and under-gospelized. Gospelized, is that a word? It is now. Parts of the world that are unreached people groups. One day we'll adopt an unreached people group in order to go serve that community. Bring water or education or health or all three or whatever. 
in order to serve them with physical, to show them that there's something deeper, there's something more than physical. Do we desire the Father to be at work? Or is our desire to come and fill a seat on a Sunday? Is our belief that the Father is always at work in people's lives in order to bring them to salvation? Or is our belief that as long as I sit in a chair on Sunday that God will like me? Sounds a little bit too close to spiritual or religious superstition to me. That you're sitting on a false hope. That being in church will lead God to like me. Can I tell you something? God already loves you. God already loves you. That's why he did the work to come find us where we are. In order to give us salvation. What's the action required for Jesus' hopeful mission? It's the same action as the salvation. That's why one fits inside of the other. Hear and follow. Once you're saved, you keep hearing and following. He'll lead you into the mission. He'll lead you into that mission. Hear and follow. The same hear and follow that that gives us salvation is the same hear and follow that leads us into the mission. I've got good news for you. See, the reason why we can become hopeless in Jesus' mission is because we go, I haven't been to seminary. I'm not on staff. I'm not a holy roller. I've only been saved X amount of years, months, weeks, hours. Guess what? God could care less about any of that. He could. Is education important? He can use that, absolutely. But you know what? You know what he's more interested in? A heart that desires him to work. A heart that believes he is always at work. And someone that is just simply willing to say, I will hear and follow you no matter what the cost. That's all it takes. Doesn't matter if you've been to seminary. Doesn't matter if you're on staff. Doesn't matter if you're a holy roller. In fact, chances are, if you're a holy roller, you'll miss the mission of God. Just like the religious leaders. Two questions depending on which spot you fall. Are you ready for God to save you? To forgive you? Are you ready for God to use you in His work? Two questions, depending on where you're at. We have a time of reflection and the band's going to play. I want you to ask yourself those two questions. Am I ready to be saved? Am I ready to be forgiven? Am I so done with sin that I want Him to do something? And if you've settled that question, God, I'm ready to hear and follow you. What's my next step? How do I get involved in the mission? How do I get involved?
myself and Shelly will be in the back of the room. We'll talk about some next steps as we, as we go a, 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 along our worship time. But I don't want to give you next steps right now. Because I don't want you to hear me. I want you to hear God. Sitting in this room are some people one day who will be missionaries. Some people one day that will create nonprofits. Some people one day that will completely change jobs. Some people one day that will give up a well-paying job to come on staff here. But where are you in your here and follow? That's someday. That's down the road. Right now. Here and follow. I'll be back there. Shelly will be back there. Grab somebody. Are you ready to be saved? Are you ready for Jesus' mission? Those are the questions. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. I pray that you will move in us and in our lives. Lord, I pray that you will give somebody hope this morning who walked in on the brink or in the middle of hopelessness. That you will move in their heart. That you will let them see that the action that you require is way, way, way less than the belief and the desire. Let there be hope permeating through people's hearts this morning. That they can be saved. They can be forgiven. That they can see this sin melt away. That hope this morning. Give somebody hope that, that, that you will use them in amazing ways. Not because we're amazing, but because you, you infiltrate our life and, and do what we can't leave people just saying I am here to hear and follow you no matter where you take me it's your name that I pray Amen. stand with us you ready to be saved are you ready for Jesus mission that's the questions I want you to pray through this morning Thank you for listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. We truly hope that this progresses your belief in Jesus. Connect with us on Facebook by searching My Crosspoint.